My job takes me to a lot of places. I sleep alone. I eat alone. I'd like to meet someone, but it's tough when you live out of a suitcase. My name's Joe. This is what I do. Purpose of your visit to Bangkok, Mr. Winston? Holiday. All my clients have one thing in common. They feed off the people. There's big money in misery. Where there's money, there's competition. And the guy paying me usually wins. You want to make some money? Two thousand a day. What's your name? Carl. You know the Caribbean Club? Ask for a dancer named Om. Give her this. She's gonna give you a package. When it comes to killing. The man in the case. He hurts many country girls. He buy them from their parents and sell them. Make it quick. Make it clean. Do the police know who you are? No one knows who I am. And never make it personal. Don't take an interest in people outside of work. There is no such thing as trust. What is your work? Oh, uh, banking. This summer, this guy fights bad guys and helps the poor. Thai people love him. He's a very good man, same like you. When you deal in the business of death, saving a life can be the most deadly job of all. Yes, we had an arrangement. Political assassination wasn't in the contract. Nicholas Cage. If I see your people again, I'll kill you. I head into the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. Barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. And yes, here we are live in the spoiler room, everyone. It's a new month. Hello, August. How are you doing? And yes, with a new month comes a new theme, which tonight we're kicking it off with uh, our month, which I have deemed one night in Bangkok makes a hard man humble. And yes, so One Night in Bangkok, we're looking at four films that involve Bangkok, usually taking primarily, almost completely in the capital of Thailand, or at least most of it. So we got an interesting lineup this month. As you can imagine, there's going to be a lot of probably action <laughs> involved <laughs> with it. So yes, uh, thank you for venturing down the stairs, pulling up a chair and sharing your favorite drink with us. And tonight I have uh, my wonderful right-hand man, guy who keeps coming back for more with us tonight to talk about this Nicolas Cage film, which is called, appropriately, Bangkok Dangerous. Yes, Bangkok Dangerous. It is uh, from, I believe, 2008. So it's 
uh, 15 years old. This movie. <laughs> so it's not you... a perfect 10. It's a perfect 15. There you it's, go. A, it's a perfect 15. How you doing tonight, Ian? I'm doing great, especially now that you gave me that tip that my uh, to get off my Wi-Fi and onto my Ethernet. This is this is wonderful. <laughs> Airplane mode for the win. Airplane mode for the win. Yeah, who knew my day job might uh, actually come in handy? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> besides just uh, paying the bills, but uh, there's some bills to pay tonight for those bad guys out there. <laughs> and Nicholas Cage has come to collect. Ian, hey, since you're here. Uh, why don't you give the synopsis of Bangkok Dangerous? <clears throat> My name is Joe. This is what I do. Four hits, one location, one last job. I looked that? into his eyes. I saw myself. He's <laughs> only one man. You're the target now. It's pretty simple. Leave the country. Or you're going to die. That's that's the plot. Oh based solely on the dialogue from this movie. <laughs> wow, you do a great Nick Cage. That was that was wonderful. Thank uh, you. But but you know, it, it's not it's not like Nick Cage deciding to do a southern accent for no particular reason for Con Air, but that was really good. I, I still don't know why he did a southern accent for that movie. Anyway. I'm gonna save the day. Wait, why? Why are you doing the southern accent? I still remember I I saw that movie once <laughs> six years ago, and I still remember his character's name from that movie, Cameron Poe. Cameron, Cameron Poe. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, so Nick Cage is a hitman who travels the world apparently, uh, but not really Bangkok because he doesn't seem to know a whole lot about the the culture and the goings on there. Um, and uh, yeah, he gets contracted for. One last job and he's looking to retire after that because he's kind of like lonely and disconnected from humanity and disconnected from himself and um yeah he shows up gets a he picks up a like a street thief a pickpocket to be his kind of contact the guy's name is kong uh so joe and kong kind of form this weird symbiotic uh, relationship and Kong wants to learn the ways of the trade from Joe and Joe's reluctant to take him on as kind of an apprentice, but he does. And um, yeah, the, these kind of like these, these four assassinations that, that need to be done uh, in the midst of it, Kong ends up falling in love with a dancer um, who is part of one of the, I think the first assassinations, like there's all these wild elaborate setups, like you got to go to this club. And you get a suitcase from this guy. And then you give like this bill that's marked with an X to this dancer. And the X has to be face up. You know, that kind of a deal. Um, and then Joe, uh, he meets a pharmacist who's deaf. And he falls in love with her. And they kind of like fall in love with each other. But due to his day job, <laughs> there are complications. And so the whole narrative in this hour and 40 minute almost movie is the, these four jobs, these three relationships kind of and um, lots of action and a shootout in one of those uh, refillable water cooler jug factories <laughs> which was amazing i don't mark i don't know how this movie has a nine percent critics rating on rotten tomatoes and a 26 percent audience score i really dug this movie and i feel like it was unfairly maligned in 2008 or maybe it's just that critics back then didn't know no offense to Mr. Cage or his fans. What kind of movies Nicolas Cage would be doing 15 years later? But this is like 
this is like the last gasp of him like really trying i feel like <laughs> aside from some some things like like pig and um you know there yeah. are a couple others in the last few years but this is like pre i'll do anything for lionsgate nick cage this was this is one of those where uh he was still considered kind of the action guy you know he could pull off the action guy very well later on he he did kind of action but like you said yeah he's pulled in a little bit more dramatic roles he pulled in ones to where he's more of the thinking action guy versus the physical action guy but here he is still physical action guy done by uh, the same directors who did the original bangkok dangerous from 1999 2000 which has a completely different story <laughs> really i yeah it wasn't until i was looking up reviews of this that someone made a reference to it's the the pang brothers um yeah the pang brothers that, yeah yeah, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is nowhere as near as good as the original. I'm like, oh, I didn't know this is a remake, but the the original was totally different. Well, not completely different, but here's the summary for the uh, uh, the Bangkok Dangerous, the 1999 version, written by someone from Milwaukee, no less. Hey, oh, Wisconsin represent. I just pulled wow. it up. Yeah. So the story there is a deaf mute hitman and his partner are based in Bangkok. He is friends with his partner's girlfriend, who is a stripper at the local club. They go about their assassination business as usual as the boss climbs the underworld ladder and forms new alliances. Flashbacks explain how he got to this point in his life, forms a relationship with a young woman at a pharmacy who is carrying an innocent. The hunt continues as treachery begins. A big name hit makes him realize that good people are hurt by his actions. First rule of assassination closes in on him and he strikes revenge. So it is actually a bit similar, except for his character, who, uh, you know, was a mute. <laughs> and it look, it sounds like someone wrote the story points for this on a deck of cards, and then they played fifty-two pickup with all the traits. Like they just mixed <laughs> everything around for the remake. I, that that original sounds really interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. And um, and the original and it is uh, uh, Kong is actually the uh assassin in that one what yeah a character named kong, yeah kong is the assassin in that one i believe oh wait i i thought you meant the actor who plays him in the remake no 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 the assassin no. from the no no <laughs> okay no no it's different different actor different character but his name was kong uh, uh, okay the, the killer so interesting remake that they did with nick cage you know but at least it's the same director the pang brothers so you know you're kind you're getting that similar vein and there is that story with his uh with uh we're just calling him nick cage but joe uh <laughs> we're just gonna keep calling him nick cage uh because i think he only mentions his name like once in the movie because no one so, ever yeah. refers to him as by his name because no one really knows who he is but it's just in the narration like they call me joe yeah no, no one yeah, no one knows me, and it's better that way. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I kept I kept thinking whenever he would do his narration, I kept thinking of Sin City because this is such like hard boiled Frank Miller, you know, mm -hmm. tough guy narration. It's so so well, fun. It made me it made me now, and he could pull it off now. Made me want to see Nick Cage do a noir movie now. You know, after watching this, because this is pretty much. Yeah. Well, there was before the strikes happened, there was talk of him doing the the I know it's not the same thing, but the noir versus Spider-Man like a yeah, solo noir, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was my he, that was one of my favorite characters from Spider-Verse. But 
but back to Joe here, our hitman. Um, he, it's Nicolas Cage, and I love Nicolas Cage. It, good or bad, I've grown to love him. I didn't at first, I will say, but he, he's grown on me over the years. But this character, he tries to show emotion, but I never feel it with this guy. I really... I. And that was that was one of the criticisms that I read of it, but I think it works for this because that's sure. kind of the whole. We get that from the opening right. narration. It's almost like uh, Harrison Ford's narration um, is Deckard in mm -hmm. Blade Runner. Sure, yeah. But especially if you if you especially if you're going with the theory that he's a replicant, but he's you know thinks he's a human being, but he doesn't right. quite understand why he can't really feel anything. That's the, what I kind of mm -hmm. took from this Nick Cage character. He's been killing people for however many years. It's all about the money. And when your job, you get paid fabulous amounts of money to kill people and you have no idea who you're killing. They could be a drug dealer, a human trafficker, or as we see at the end of this movie, uh, an alleged man of the people that's trying to help folks and the people who want him dead are the evil drug dealers and traffickers. <laughs> it's like that does something to you. And I think that... Yeah. You know, when his his relationship with the uh, the deaf uh, pharmacist named whose name translates to rain. Yeah. And I think a, a absolutely lovely scene where she explains to him what you know, her name is and how to sign it. You know, they're standing at a window as it's raining outside. I was not expecting that from this movie. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, again, I feel like if this were to come out now, this would be possibly regarded as part of the cage essence where he does a lot of like <laughs> kind of lower tier garbage yeah. and then he does this sort of prestige picture every once in a while yeah i could see that i could see that because you're right it, it was it was better than i expected it to be let's put it that way you know from 2008 you see nick cage you're like oh uh this is you know after this he got a Apparently he got a multi-film, he had a multi-film agreement after this movie and they actually rebuilt some of the sets in that so they didn't have to travel <laughs> much for the next movies, I guess. Um, but but you're right, the, the touching moment, the, the, there's, there's more heart in here than you might expect from, you know, the way it starts off with this hard-boiled where he plays the assassin Joe. You know, we see how... Uh, uh, calculating he is with his watch, which was a real watch, which I guess it, it endorsed or something. Anyway, uh, wow. A, uh, but he, uh, you know, he's calculating. He's got the guy who's his delivery guy who he uh, sets up and kills as, and makes it look like they're, you know, a heroin junkie. Uh, so he he dopes him up in that. So I mean, this is this is not a really great guy. You're introduced here with with joe you know but then you hear him talking about one last job and you're like well that we know how this is gonna go don't ever say one last job that's just like saying you you're in a horror movie and you go you know if we get out of this i'm gonna do that don't say that because you're gonna die okay <laughs> <laughs> but, but what i liked about this movie is yeah, he's doomed from the start. We know because in all these one last job movies, the protagonist, you know, it's the noir trope. They end up, you know, dying, either killing themselves or getting killed to protect someone or a blaze of glory or whatever. But I really liked that the innocents in this movie, they get to live. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. On the one hand, this goes to the deepest, darkest 
levels of a society that's built on you know sexual like sex trafficking drugs mm -hmm. crime but on the other hand you've got that reformer politician who the assassin decides you know i can't do this because my right hand man who i was just treating as an errand boy but you know we've kind of have this relationship now he says oh that guy is great my people really love him because he's trying to change things like you you go and you take out the bad guys and he's like sitting there you know with the politician in his sight this like recreation of dealey plaza and he's like he just can't do it and that brings the world of hell down onto him but then the deaf pharmacist uh she of her own volition she doesn't end up getting captured right. or fridged or mm -hmm. anything which drives him into insane like scarface rage you know she just their their love story resolves itself by him going back to say, you know, essentially give me a second chance. And she's like, no, I don't want anything to do with you. Uh, oh. I kind of know what you're about. Yeah. Um, and it's just really nice because the people who make the good upright choices, even our, even Kong, who is a street thief and, you know, he's very kind of troubled in the beginning. You get the feeling that he learned some stuff. And by the end of the picture, he might be trying to turn his life around. Well, yeah. And, and Joe, for all how cold and calculated is, he takes Kong under his wing after he sees Kong get the crap beat out of him while transporting the, the suitcase at one point. And he's like, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll train you, you know, he, and he because you get this teacher student rather than employee, you know, bag runner uh, relationship with this. And you get a, you get a bit of a training montage in here, which surprised me and. It does take some very interesting directions. Um, yeah, yeah, I like. I, it surprised me with the deaf mute uh, uh, pharmacist that they had uh, as his love interest, because that's also something a bit different that you don't see. Because he wants to go on a date with her, and I'm like sitting there going, "Yeah, how's that going to work? You don't know a <laughs> lick of the <laughs> sign language. I mean, you you don't know any sign language." <laughs> Right. But but that's the that's the nice thing about it is he figures all of that out. Right. Like to me, the logistics of him working up the nerve to ask out this this woman and actually going on the date and then kind of like she's helping him to understand mm -hmm. her. That's cooler than, oh, here's I'm going to take these paint cans and make them into bombs, you know. <laughs> Right. But that that's the, the other other nice thing is they go on this lovely date, which is interrupted because these thugs come after him. And she has no idea because, of course, she can't hear anything. So she turns her back and that's when he gets jumped. And when he shoots the one guy, the blood splatters on her sweater and and she like feels it. And then she mm -hmm. turns around, realizes the horror and then runs away. And I I think her disability in a way saves the story from a cliche mm -hmm. because he can't really sit there and be like, you know, it isn't what you think. Please come back. I can explain myself. Yeah. I've had a rough life or whatever, because he can't, he cannot communicate with her in a way that she would really understand. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's so nice. There's a lot going on in this movie. It's not, it's not a 9% movie, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would, I would agree that it's not a 9% movie. Um, you know, the, the ending falls in a little bit. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting 
the recreation and if you don't if you folks don't realize this is a recreation of the jfk assassination (laughs) i don't know what rock you've been under but you should seek some historical footage because i'm watching this going oh this is way too for okay i get what you're it's like Ooh, <laughs> like down to the car and where the guy's wife is sitting and him wait. I'm just like, wow, man. Wow. <laughs> the only thing that would have made that scene better is if Clint Eastwood came up. The... And... <laughs> well, but no, because they had snipers on, you mm-hmm. know, covering the plaza. Right. You know, police force would have been interesting if because at that point, the people who had contracted Cage's character to pull off the hit against this guy, they knew that he had been compromised and they had set into motion, I think, the. Nope, I lost you there. I'll come back in a second. Yep. Mode is failing me. But uh, no, go. so. Uh, Kong and his girlfriend had already been like compromised or kidnapped or whatever. Right. I was waiting for some of those snipers to be working for the bad guys. So Nick Cage would have to try and figure out who he has <laughs> to take out like <laughs> from the rooftops. Yeah. I, I thought maybe, you know, they do a dual assassin thing to where he's going to do the assassination and then they would get to assassinate him or something um along that lines maybe because yeah but because the 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 big boss guys realize that knocking off a political person uh is a big deal and it's going to bring some major heat unless they get rid of everybody involved who knows that they're you know and so yeah they they don't go after the pharmacist, because they aren't quite sure who Joe is. So they end up going after Kong and his girl to get Kong to talk to admit on who Joe is and where he lives. And I thought that was an interesting angle, too, because I thought for sure you're like, you see it coming. They break up and you're like, OK, here they are. He's going to be pining for her. He does get a little creeper stalking her outside her window and driving past the pharmacy a little bit. But. I thought maybe they were going to have when the bad guys go get the girl. I'm like, right. Oh, I see where I see where this is going. But instead, they get the girl of Kong that Kong's been then uh, sweet talking and in a relationship with her starting one. And yeah, I thought that was that was an interesting twist on that expectation. Um, and, and, you know, Kong tries to be as loyal as possible. But even even Joe understands that Kong finally talked because <laughs> he's like, you're not me. Um, but. Well, on top of that, the girl, I think her name was An. Um, yeah, the, the, um. the, the, dan- um, yeah, oh, the um, dancer. Yeah. Fawn. Fawn was her, the F-O-N, I think. Was, yeah. Well, she yeah. was first approached and the bad guys were like look if you don't help us we're going to do to your younger sister what we did to you yeah there's a lot of there's a lot yeah. of pride there because at that point she had a black eye but you're also like i don't know how long they've had her and what they've done but yeah. there's a look when kong gets jumped uh in that hangar or wherever they were and he sees that his girl is up in the rafters with you know these hoods mm-hmm. the look on his face is kind of like 
disappointment, but also like they probably have you over a barrel. I can't be totally mad at you. Yeah. And that, that kind of reverberates through the other character relationships in the story down to Kong and Joe. Yeah. And Kong got a chance to show that Joe's training had pay off. Cause it's like a month. Joe plans on being there for at least a month. And so we, we did get to see Kong a little bit in action, which was nice to see uh, that his training, you know, uh, actually did pay off besides the, uh, montage and the, the shooting of watermelons uh, so there was that but you're right it well i think there's also the uh, realization not only her you know maybe not so much disappointment with her but just like he's like ah crap he knew where this was going <laughs> you know he's been around long enough that he's like yeah here we go okay <laughs> well and also um I like the the kind of the parallels. They don't really draw attention to it, but it's there. the 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 idea of like different kinds of dancers, because mm -hmm. yeah, you know, Kong's girl is like an exotic dancer, and everything that kind of implies uh, for this this kind of situation that everybody's in. And then you've got Rain, the pharmacist, who does mm -hmm. this kind of like very performative, like dress up kind of dance. And there's a mon a montage of training blowing the head you know blowing up watermelons with a with a handgun and then rain you know dancing and nick cage like in one moment he's enjoying his new love like expressing yeah. herself and the next he's helping a guy like <laughs> blow the head and blow up these figurative heads it's really great like there's a lot like i've said there's a lot more going on in this movie than just you know hard-boiled guy goes to bangkok it's got layers there's layers here there are layers here it's like a fine uh, dip there's also a touch of uh as cool and calm and collective as he plays and how very difficult it is him to show any outward emotion towards uh aom uh a rain uh, uh you know um we do get a little bit of a hint that I almost want a prequel that he has a bit of anger issues because there's a hit that goes a bit wrong for him. Uh, his, his second last hit. It's the boat. So, yeah. Boat. It, the boat. Uh, it ends up going wrong because of an unexpected person. They're in this floating market and he's got a camera out, an old handy cam, because it's 2008, folks. Uh, I have something similar to that, but not with the gun, because it's got the gun. <laughs> he's got the camera right on top of the gun that's hidden in flowers, and he's just about to hit his mark when this uh, vendor comes up and, and disrupts them. And then there's people taking pictures of him because of the disruption, and that draws attention to him. And then, of course, this guy being the bad guy that he is, he notices the gun, and then it triggers this wild chase in a boat uh sequence to which our bad joe goes from boat to motorcycle and <laughs> then his motorcycle gets shot and he flies off his motorcycle onto the boat with his mark and he kills him but it's the, like the first time i will say that you in one of the only times you see in the movie him showing like some serious outward emotion when he gets to the guy finally who ran like he was nervous his his assassination attempt was not going to happen and he 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 seemed very like legitimately emotional about that yeah i mean i think 
there's a little bit of emotion earlier on in the movie when he first meets Kong because you can tell he's getting really frustrated. Like he 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 thinks he's got a good connection, but this guy keeps asking these questions and right. and all that. Um, so yeah, he gets like kind of hot under the collar. But yeah, there is something going on with that that boat assassination. First of all, it was a really nice surprise when he gets onto the boat and like the motor is like flapping around. It cuts the guy's hand off. Yeah, and, like, he cut the guy's I, arm was, off. I was not expecting that. I, I was like, wow. Um, he takes the gun out of the guy's hand and he's standing over him pointing down, like pointing at us. And he's, you know, he's killing us. But then he's just like kind of standing there for a long time. Um, and then, of course, I got a TV commercial because I'm watching this on Freebie, which yeah. totally breaks the mood. <laughs> <laughs> I had that. I had that, too. Just the random commercial. But then when you come back, you get that wonderful shot. Instead of seeing the actual like bullets and squib and boop, 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 you, you cut to underwater and you see oh. the bullets go through the boat. And I'm like, wow, that was that was really creative. <laughs> yes, it was it was artsy, but it wasn't just like it wasn't pretentiously artsy. Maybe it was, but it was again, it was a visual I was not expecting. It was a visual that's very you know beautiful to see. Um, but yeah, I, I would assume that some of that anger, those anger issues that are coming out, likely the frustration, because you're, you get the idea that this guy is not used to screwing up or having yeah. his plans go so mm -hmm. horribly wrong. And because he doesn't usually get that close to danger, he probably doesn't get that close to death mm -hmm. because he understands what happens if his mark gets away because everything is timed. He's got the papers that he receives from those packages that he immediately burns. He's got that watch that has like the hours down to the seconds and he's very spe uh, specific about timing things. So who knows what would have happened. He probably, I, he might, there might've been people watching him to make sure that this <laughs> went down. He might not have gotten out of that dock if he hadn't performed. Yeah, yeah. It makes you wonder if he realizes he may be being watched for these jobs even though they don't know who he is um, or the, at least the area where he's, you know, supposed to assassinate. There's somebody in the area to make sure that he does the job right. Um, and so he has that in the back of his mind, maybe a little bit. And also as the film goes on, I think he starts to get a little, he, he lets his guard down. I mean, cause we, as we mentioned, he starts to get in a relationship. He gets closer to Kong because he, he he thinks he's on his way for Twilight, you know, for assassination. So it seems like he's trying to do a little bit more, be a little bit more human so that when he finally does do the final assassination, he he can at least somewhat acclimate to regular society. And and maybe that's why he started to, you know, the the shell started to crack, so to speak. And it's interesting with the assassination attempt scene and we go back to it the final one because he debates for quite some time before taking the shot because there's a number of opportunities he could take the shot and we see him really struggle to not complete the mission <laughs> you know like well, he he's done it for so long <laughs> he's this is his mission it's like going against his nature right and and there's a nice fake out where he does take the shot and the bullet like goes through the air and through the town and you see it go like almost right to the forehead of the guy in the car 
but then you realize like as this bullet is traveling he's flashing back to I don't think it's every one he's killed in his career because it it's not that long a montage. No, but it's the ones that it's the ones that really stick out as the people he's killed. Um, and then you realize, oh, well, he didn't he didn't actually kill the guy. Um, that's that's a change of heart. But yeah, it's. Again, it's not something I was necessarily expecting. Yeah, I, there is the misdirection and I appreciated that. I was like, oh, OK. Because you would accept it either way. That's the thing is when he pulls the trigger, I'm like, oh, he pulled the trigger. Okay. You know, I'm I'm like, okay, he's going to deal with the consequences because either way, you know, he's got a target on his back from the big boss from a conversation we saw from the big boss earlier, who's paranoid about anybody knowing that he put out a hit on a political figure. So it's like, you kind of know, Joe's number is punched, ticket is punched before he even sets up for the assassination. You're just like, one way or the other, they're going to come after him. So you get that extra part as an audience going, dude, you don't have to shoot him because they're going to come after you either way. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, to your point, like the twilighting on the on the assassination thing, I mean, he does kind of you get the sense he's kind of got senioritis because I don't know if he's ever on any of these jobs he's done over how many places, how many years, if he's ever been sweet on someone or if this really is the first time that he's actually been able to find someone who he's interested in, who's interested in him. But yeah, it does make him a little softer, a little like focused on, Oh, well, I've got this thing lined up. This is going to be great. You know, in a week, I'm going to be off. I'm going to have like a billion dollars and I'm going to sail off with my new you know, yeah. pharmacist beauty. Uh, but yeah, it does. He takes his eye off the ball. I want to ask you a question. The two people that jumped them in the park and that date that they yeah. were on, were those supposed to be like random thugs or were those, those people connected with the job somehow? I didn't no, quite those, understand what they, I was looking at. They were just random thugs because okay. it is, you know, because one night in Bangkok, you know, um <laughs> it it changes a person but no uh you know they start off what what he s- describes bangkok and he talks about how uh no pun intended how dangerous it is basically how you know corrupt and everything is and crime crime is pretty prevalent uh in in town so yeah it was just random thugs and he defended himself in a way an assassin would defend himself, you know, like fairly efficiently um, and brutally. Uh, and, and that's what it is. But they were just, because they were walking to the park, they were just park thugs. They were just, they weren't part of any missionary. And I think they were just, you know, because I think if they would have been part of like the boss's gang or whatever, we would have had a scene or something to address it later going, mm. oh, he, you know, but they didn't know who he was at the time. So, the fact at that point they still didn't know who he was, um, it's just supposed to be taken as two random thugs. The problem is, is they took his wallet. She didn't realize that was his wallet, so she turns around with blood on her jacket, turns around and sees that he's killed two guys that he's standing over one with a gun and a wallet. <laughs> She's like, couldn't wait till you get me home? You, you had to do that, you know, on the way? You couldn't have waited till at least you took me to the door hey, what dude seriously he's an, he's an addict he just <laughs> can't stop killing people 
He's just addicted to death. Uh, <laughs> that's got to be another Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> that's, that's another Nicolas Cage movie. Nick Cage, if you're ever actually watching this, do a movie called Addicted to Death. There you go. Um, he can he can go around like breaking up fentanyl dealers or something like that. <laughs> something like that. But yeah, it, you know, it's the his character is interesting. The, the the side characters are interesting. They give him some extra. Even our even our main bad guys, because they're doing business, and the one boss is a little reluctant to do business with Joe because they've not met him. He kind of he kind of want to meet this guy. And they're like, yeah, but he comes highly regarded by the Russians. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you know, and, and so and, and that's near the beginning. You're just like, I'm supposed to like Joe, really? Because, you know, here he is, an assassin. He just kills this guy who's his lackey and makes it look like heroin. And oh, yeah, he's in league with Russia. What? Wait, we're supposed to like this guy? <laughs> Well, I mean, I think I don't think it was necessarily the Russian government, but no, I think no, but yeah. those are probably just like the last people that he right. worked for or something. He comes highly recommended. I mean, that's the thing is I like that because when I first his relationship with Kong yeah. is a bit more tender, you think, than mm -hmm. other couriers that he's worked with or whatever other lackeys. But the guy in the beginning of the movie because he kills him like right away you're not really sure like did they have a relationship was he an innocent or you know what's the deal there because he does make a very deliberate choice to throw away the the special like needle bag that he carries with the poison in it to to kill the you know, to no no connections there can't be any trace of you know him having ever been there but you realize this guy's uh, taken quite a shine to kong and he's not as disposable as some of these other people well, and he debates, though. They do this very subtle thing to where it's <laughs> where I think if uh, is a different movie, you'd have it more up front, but it's a little bit more subtle. So the first time he after he gets his courier, he gets, yeah, the bag, the drug bag with the heroin in it, because that's what apparently he uh, usually stages his uh, couriers as once they're done as as, you know, addicted to heroin. But. He throws that bag away, and then when he goes to the, then then he kicks back into assassin mode after he's rejected by the pharmacist. Uh, he kind of is like, well, yeah, and he kicks right back into a assassin cold mode. He's like, well, I tried that, didn't work. Back to being cold hearted. Um, and an extra sign of that is when he opens the gun case for his final assassination, there's another bag with a needle in it. Now it's not addressed too much. I think he picks it up. Maybe it looks at it, but there's another bag. So he got another bag of heroin that he was going to go back and, you know, gives you the impression he might kill Kong still, you know? And that's, that was something that I, missed or maybe like mm -hmm. misinterpreted i don't know because when he opens up that case and sees that in there it almost felt to me like that was something that came with the case that he got to do the job like it was delivered to him oh right just sure. part of a package and not something that he had necessarily put together mm -hmm. um i could be wrong about that i did find it funny that the way he gets rid of that first package with the needle and the heroin yeah. was he throws it at the elephant in like the zoo or something like yeah. that i'm like <laughs> he throws it someone in the could yeah well because because it's like right there like someone could find that and 
<laughs> like oh dear whatever yeah he throws it in the water in front of the elephant pen or whatever paddock and he yeah, i'm just like wait dude what that's how you it's bangkok just toss it in the trash man i'm sure it's not the first you know <laughs> in depending on the neighborhood that uh he's in some of the neighborhoods like where uh kong is driving through i'm sure you could probably just toss that bag on the side and someone would take it well that's not a good solution either well no but but i mean Can elephants kong, do heroin no okay. <laughs> they're too smart for that oh. but you know you know kong and that's the thing they don't go too heavy into anybody's background really we don't even get a huge background on joe we don't get a huge background on kong we know he's in for some money with some people because that's how he got jumped um you know and i like that they they tell you enough about these characters for you to care but we don't get too much into the backstory of pretty much everyone in this. well and, and also um the, this movie is not big on speeches i mean to your yeah. point like the first time we see Kong, he might as well just be like a random piece of like establishing shot scenery. We see these kind of American tourists going through the street and this guy stops him on the on the street. And is like, hey, you guys, you know, you, you like girls or do you like boys? Can we get you some drugs or whatever? And they're like, no, no, no. And while he's talking with them, like yucking it up we see he's got like a razor blade in his finger and he's subtly cutting open the back of this guy's backpack and slipping out his wallet. Yeah. I don't think I'd ever seen that before, but you also, you're not thinking, Oh, this is going to be this, this street hustler, this con artist is going to be one of the main characters in the movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Nicholas yeah. Cage is watching him and everything, but you know, two minutes later you see him, Oh, he's approaching him and asking him to, to work with him. And, when Kong goes to the club for that first job, he becomes enamored with the, with this dancer. And then we keep cutting back to him. Keep, he keeps going back to the club and we see the relationship building, but there's not, again, no, none of these big speeches. It doesn't become its own separate movie. It's like these little hints that this character is changing and growing into someone that by the end of the movie, we're rooting for this guy who, when we first meet him is just ripping people off and, you know, just, <laughs> He could yeah. be like a, a completely despicable lowlife, but no, he's sort of a hero. Yeah, yeah. I like like the turn that they had because you're right, the way because especially when we first see Kong just before that, we get the wonderful noir speech of how corrupt and how dangerous the streets of Bangkok are and how there's criminals and and then we see Kong and you're like, Oh, okay, so this is just him observing a crime happening and he's just like, Yeah, okay, it's Bangkok. Uh, <laughs> well, no, but it, you you bring up a good point that I hadn't really thought about that because <clears throat> that is the person. Look, it might be true. I don't know. I've never been to Bangkok. I've heard you know stories and all. And I've seen movies, <laughs> much like this one. But in that opening monologue, when he's talking about Bangkok, he is just talking about the negatives, the stereotypes based on the reputation. Right. What we see throughout the film is yes, there is that element, but there are also good people in you know just mm -hmm. trying to make it in this corrupt city so you can't just write everybody off yeah yeah no i mean it's he he talks about at the beginning of the film what he knows of bangkok or or what he's heard of bangkok and he lives in the underground anyway so he's only seen the underbelly of things you're right it's it's when he gets to 
that relationship with Ohm where she shows him the other side of Bangkok where he realizes he can't eat Thai food because it's very, very spicy. In this, one, in this wonderful scene to where we catch up to him in the middle of dinner and he looks like he's going to die i mean he's he's already sweating and it, and she's she's just like oh this is really good he's just like ah, ah, and she's like here eat this leaf he's like okay oh that's better that's better and then they bring some more thai food and he tries something like oh my god it's hot again <laughs> That's that's what you call caged heat. Caged heat. There it is. <laughs> that's a completely different movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen that one. But anyway, uh, <laughs> women in prison films, man. Uh, but uh, this is not a women's in prison film. This is. It, it's not really a noir. I mean, it starts off noir, but it ends up something different. I think. I mean. I don't know if you could call it a completely straight noir because there is a a, a little bit of too much happy. <laughs> right. Well, uh, it's that's the thing is it's not it's not really the femme fatale that is like right. the downfall of our troubled protagonist. It's the promise of a better life and him realizing what he is mm -hmm. that leads to his downfall. I mean that at the very end i'll skip to the very end we should talk about the the climax like the big yes, yes you know yes. going through the yeah. building stuff but at the end when he's sitting in that car and he's got the last you know the there's two main bad guys one is already dead at this point he's got the other the the bigger dude with him he's got a gun on him sitting in the back seat of this car and he's like looking at himself through the rear view mirror and like kind of understanding you know this is who I am. I, I, I was fooling myself thinking that anybody could love me and it's kind of a self-pitying thing. But again, at the end, when he puts the gun up to his temple and he's got the other guy in like a bear hug so that the idea is the bullet's going to go straight through him and both take of them, both yeah. of them out, which it does, that is, and I'm not saying this is a ripoff or an homage, but it lines up perfectly with the end of, I think it was the Sin City graphic novel, A Dame to Kill For. Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. Uh, with um with it was it was bruce willis's character maybe it was yep. in the original sin city but yeah he kills himself and he's like yeah, i was, love it you it was it was in the original sim city it was he kills himself because of what he had done and the person he had become and what he had gone on yeah he kills himself uh, right that. so that's that's sort of mirrored here and both movies are trying to do this like neo-noir thing i think both very effectively yeah, it is effective. I mean, this whole final scene, he it's interesting because I will say the final, if you say the showdown to where he the, the first part where he blows up his own house, that 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 is more kind of expected. He's got a makeshift bomb. He blows up a couple of guys who don't completely die right away, but he gets the information he needs from them. Uh, but then he, he he's in a bathtub that's apparently made from the same material as the fridge from Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Well, yeah, no, if word of the wise, if you have an explosion coming, just uh, hide in the bathtub because every bathtub will uh, will protect you from any explosion, shockwave or whatnot. You might get some ceiling falling on you like he does here, but overall, you're OK. You'll be protected. Yeah, it's like it's just like it's practically plaster. It's hard. It is. Yeah. It's it's literally a bunker <laughs> in your bathroom. It's a bathroom bunker. Okay, so there you go. There you go. But uh, so there, there's that cliche part. But then he starts his his uh, 
his you know the the final showdown to where he he just annihilates people in the bad guy base uh which part of the reason he shoots himself too is because he gets ends up getting shot he gets a a a, a, a really bad wound but um he takes a guy who's still alive and uses him as a human shield as he goes into the base. I'm like, oh, damn. Um, but it's, I, I again, this is something that they may have done before, but I yeah. haven't seen. Sneaks up behind a, a, a watchman, crosses arms around the guy, and uses that to shoot the other people around him. Partially, I think, because from that vantage point because it's so dark the other guards probably can't tell there's someone behind him they're like right, wait yeah. why is why is one of our own taking us out this doesn't make right. any sense <laughs> you know and then he take he takes on uh one of the henchmen but it's not the like the the right hand man henchman it's like one of the other uh henchmen in in, in the bottle f- water fight which <laughs> lots of water lots i don't think i've ever seen water bottles falling in slow motion before i will say i've watched many 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 action films in my 40 some odd years i've been on earth and i don't think i've ever seen falling water bottles in slow-mo and it was beautiful i'm like oh that i've not seen that before i will say it's one of the cooler action scenes i've watched but anyway, they're shooting at each other, and it's this is not John Wick clean shooting. This is this is just these are two folks trying to hit one another, and and he ends up getting hit, but he ends up killing the guy who shot him um, after he gets the information out of him of where where uh, Kong and his girl are at. But what I loved about this, and it was unexpected, is normally in films like this, you get the right hand man who is the most trained of the guys that you know of the big boss you know of the boss mm-hmm. guy he, he's the dude that does all the dirty work he's the leader whatnot he's usually the one that you do the major fight with like doo, 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 you know yeah there's not too much fighting between joe and our final right hand man henchman conflict they're at two ends of a hallway and joe is shooting and he actually runs out of bullets they run out of bullets <laughs> and then he sneaks up on the guy hits him and it doesn't last long. You think this is going to be like a bat major fight showdown. No. Hits him, turns around, slams against the wall, puts a grenade in, uh, against his belly, and then ducks as the guy explodes. And we get a shitty dummy exploding in half, which <laughs> in beautiful, gory fashion. Uh, well, it's, it's there was a little bit more to it that because the, the henchman guy, he actually takes out the grenade. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because he was around the corner. Right. You're right. They were the opposite ends of the hallway. There's like a wall protecting the one guy. Turns around. Nicholas Cage is gone. Yep. So then he comes back, takes a grenade out. And as he's going to throw it, Cage intercepts his hand. hand yeah. There's like this wonderful like palm struggle between them. And that's when he shoves it. He like gets him up against the door. It's like smashing his face into it. And then he puts basically shoves a grenade down his pants like a Bugs Bunny routine. Gets out of the way. And it's like... It's great because there's real <laughs> tension. Like, are are they both gonna get blown up and have to deal with that? But no, it, it totally works out. And I did like the this. It's a very darkly lit scene, mm-hmm. but I did like the 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 half guy with the guts hanging out and that dead look on his face. It was fun. It was fun. It was fun. I mean, overall, we're we're, we're talking a, a heavy film, but I think you're right. This film 
is 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 better than what ratings would suggest on on Ibidum, it has a 5.3 out of 10 rating which is a little bit better but not by a lot i i'm not sure what people expect from this film but um you know it's cage being cage he brings brings his all pretty much to any role he's in uh would you would you say this is good cage or bad cage i think this is really good cage i mean i've what was the was it pig no maybe it was pig i think it might have been pig from a couple of years ago yeah people were telling me to watch because like oh this is this is a great performance by nicholas cage in a pretty solid movie i think i've been so jaded by other nicholas cage movies i know we've disagreed on some of them sure, sure. um yeah. like uh, was that the colors it's got colors in the title. Oh it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. Yeah, there was the the H the Lovecraftian uh, that one. Yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. there's just these. This is Cage before he started doing the real low rent stuff. Where like, hey, the director just wants to work with Nicolas Cage so he can get one of his famous Nicolas Cage screams and screeches on film. He does not screech or scream or done do any mugging or anything no. like that in this movie. It's weird to watch nowadays because yeah, this is back when he was still a capital A actor. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I would definitely recommend this. Yeah, I, I would too. I mean, uh, again, it's it's tough because, and it, this is no slight, and, and not saying it's a bad thing at all, but some of the action films we've gotten in recent years have set a bar quite high. So it's a little bit tough to go back to some of these films like this that are, that are in a similar tone or vein and go, Oh, but I think there's a lot to enjoy here. I mean, it, it is not John wick, but this is before John wick. So, you know, I mean, it's. Oh yeah. You, you can recommend it, but you do have to set the expectation. Like, you know, it's about a hitman who's kind of going through like a midlife crisis and he finds himself in Bangkok on one last job that doesn't go as he thought it would. It's more of a meditative piece, but there's some really solid action and drama in it. If you go in and say, oh, yeah, it's like Nicolas Cage in Bangkok and it's sort of a precursor to John Wick. That's totally false advertising. And that's not what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're you're, you're not going to get that. Uh, but you do get a pretty solid action film, you know, for what it is. A, 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 I don't think this was released in theaters, so this was a direct-to-video type of action film. Um, but I think it's just fine. Yeah, I, you know, Cage, Ch- Cage putting his all into it, and it, it takes some surprising turns. I agree. Uh, excuse me. Oh, I was, I was, I was going to say, um, it's a movie I would watch again. But it's not one that I would put on like, oh, I want to watch a ridiculous Nick Cage movie or I want to watch a ridiculous action movie. That's not that. It's like something you got to be in the right mindset for it. Um, But yeah, I would definitely watch it at least one more time. (laughs) Uh, Interesting trivia tidbit. Apparently it was shot during the 19th September coup d'etat in Thailand. Uh, Nonetheless, filming only stopped for six hours. Uh, apparently the armory department claimed they only fired one shot in the coup. <laughs> so, so wow. yeah, you know, uh, they only had to pause for six hours. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> well, I wonder because there's that scene where there's like, he's trying to blend into like a bunch of like bustling kind of street chaos. And he like yeah. steals the one guy's hat and takes another guy's camera. Like how the hell do they pull that off? 
Now that you mentioned there was a coup, I wonder if if the director's like, oh, no, just Nick, just go walk in the street, take this guy's hat and his camera. We'll, we'll just we'll make it up as we go along. We'll work it into the story. This is great. Just, just guerrilla shot it. Just yeah, it's like yeah, you know, it's. <laughs> or they just said, hey, there's a coup going on. I, Nick, just go take a walk in the street, I, and that's just what he does anyway. <laughs> I I will say though, I found it kind of funny that uh, after he avoids assassination attempt, he's trying to go and blend in and i'm like okay i, I i'm like see you're going no no offense to anyone but he doesn't exactly blend in with the rest of the folks no no he's got at least a foot on everybody i did i did like that the, i think the reason he stole the camera is because he could he like it shove in it in face. front of his yeah. face yeah that yeah. was a nice touch yeah, no, I liked how he covered himself up because I was wondering how that was going to work. But the initial, you know, they were they were right near on his heels. I'm like, don't you guys see? It, well, he was know. he was doing some crouching, like he wasn't. He was. Like, he was, was kind of hunched over, and yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that you know, yeah. it, it'd be tough to hide Nick Cage. So it's just, <laughs> I understand why he grabbed the camera and that the hat. That was that was a good touch. That was a nice touch. So. There you have it, folks. Bangkok Dangerous, our first film in One Night in Bangkok. Uh, we got some interesting, interesting films coming up, including I got to do a little housekeeping. I got to do a little housekeeping. Now, in the past month, past month or so, you've heard me talk about uh, one of the films that we'll be covering this month, Only God Forgives. And I was saying that I didn't quite care for it. Well, it turns out I'm senile. And I checked back my review that I did 10 years ago of Only God Forgives, and it turns out I liked it. So really? <laughs> I, I corrected myself. So I just want to go on record. See, I fully recognize I apparently have been speaking wrong about myself, in my opinion. So we'll see how it changes. Before I was saying, hey, we'll see if I like Only God Forgives this time around. I'm going to spin it around. We'll see if I still like only God forgives this time around. So just wanted to clear the air for those that might care or who anyone, maybe two people paying attention, you know, uh, I actually enjoyed Only God Forgives. So uh, that is coming up this month. Next week, we've got Ong Bak, uh, which I'm looking forward to revisiting. It's been a long time since I watched that film. You said you haven't seen it, right? Mm -mm. And then uh, at the end of the month, we are looking at a classic from 1971-73. It's called The Big Boss, a.k.a. Fists of Fury, with Mr. Bruce Lee. Because, yeah, I haven't talked about a Bruce Lee film. So I want to talk about a Bruce Lee film, and this is a perfect opportunity. Uh, so, yeah, that's about it, folks. Oh, I do have another announcement. We're not doing voting this year for the specials next year, but I did come up with the specials theme for next year this year it was a perfect 10 10th anniversary thank you so much for everybody who's stuck with us for 10 years next year we're doing rated pg for pre-code yes that, a pc excuse me we're doing yeah, rated was... <laughs> rated sorry pg duh see i'm going to see now we're doing rated pc for pre-code yes that's right we are looking at 12 pre-code films so that is going to be interesting to try to build themes around as we will still randomly pick them like we do this uh, year, uh, but for each month, but we will be covering pre-code movies. So it should be interesting getting into the black and white classics 
so and I already hear some people falling asleep. I already hear some people falling asleep out there. But you'd be surprised, folks, what movies fall into the pre-code category. So just just stay tuned for more information on that. And now, as always, enough of me babbling. Here's where I give my guests the license to shill. So, Ian, please shill away. Well, I'm Ian Simmons. I run Kicking the Seat, which you can find at kickseat.com. Also on YouTube under Kicking the Seat, do uh, movie reviews and live streams and interviews and all that other good stuff. So yeah, come check us out and uh, yeah, like and subscribe and all that good stuff. Uh, Wednesday of this week, we'll be talking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem uh, uh, Wednesday night at uh, 8 p.m. Central. So come hang out and we'll talk about that. And uh, yeah, otherwise I'm I'm here with Mark talking about movies every every monday and i love that this this bangkok month uh is all first time viewings for me uh, one thing mark about bruce lee have you seen bruce lee movies or you just haven't talked about bruce lee movies? I, I oh yeah no i've seen bruce lee films oh yeah okay no, no. i have not really i'm i i uh, saw enter the dragon for the first time like a month ago and it's it's ooh, awesome yeah and i know if you're not aware of this I don't know if theaters near you, you get a lot of the Fathom event screenings. Yeah, we get some of them, not all of them, but some, yeah. Because in like two weeks, they're doing Enter the Dragon for the 50th I anniversary. Yeah. I know, I saw that, the remastered Enter the Dragon. I'm like, ooh, that might be worth the trip up because I got to travel uh, to Wausau for that. But I may go see that because I'm like, yeah, that'd be fun to see on the big screen. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, for those who might care on Special Mark Productions outside of this wonderful podcast and our Patreon, is always, where you can get the conversation before the conversation, uh, I got a number of things coming up. I've got a couple of reviews, one live now, another one uh, tomorrow. Uh, but by the time this drops, those will both already be live. But I also have a two couple of interviews. I'm getting to interview Marcel Walls. Uh, for his film coming up. Um, it's a Giallo-type film, apparently. Uh, I'll be watching it right after I'm done recording here uh, for the interview. And we'll also be interviewing Monique uh, T. Parent, who's been in many a film. So we got that. And a new show, which I don't know if it'll be regular. I always try out new things. 17 years doing this. It's called The Final Cut, and it's side panel edition to where I review a couple of comic books. So it's the final cut side panel edition to where I'll be reviewing. Yeah, I don't know if I'll be keep doing it, but I'm trying it out. We'll see how it goes. I might do one or two of them. But so that's all coming this week. And by the time this drops, these should be live on the YouTube channel and all our website. Lovely stuff. So thank you all to our supporters, our listeners. We love you all. And until next time, we'll just say uh, a good night, everyone. Good night. <laughs> Hope this episode <laughs> didn't make you humble. Uh, <laughs> hey everyone looking for more spoiler room goodness then head on over to patreon.com slash special mark productions where you can get access to even more wonderful podcast content hear the conversation that happens before the live broadcast you can also get access to an exclusive vip episode that you vote on that's especially for you or get early access to all our videos on youtube plus more so check it out there folks and the more you do there the more we can do here and remember with the spoiler room the conversation is fresh uh, but we do spoil the movies <laughs> <laughs>